This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. This is episode 201 of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. Share it with a friend. Share it with a stranger. You can follow me on social media at Rob Snow White. You can rate the podcast on iTunes. In this podcast, I'm going to cover some of the recent outings over the last month. We did not exactly get Shadness Madness this year, mostly with three major high water events. I'll explain that. I want to give a shout out to Art Noglack at Orvis Arlington. He caught four trout last week over 20 inches on the Snow White Damsel. One was behind an elk hair caddis during a caddis hatch that the trout were feeding on. The other three were trailing behind big old meat articulated streamers. They chose the damsel. It's pretty cool, right? All right, so this is a major blur of the last several weeks for me. I'm going to break down what was going on with the Shad Run this year. These are my first days off since the middle of April, and I'm going to catch you up on what the Shad Run was like and what it wasn't like in 2018. It's been an interesting year. I really haven't had many days off, and I will get into that now. 
So let's see. The season started off in mid-April. The water temp. So let me break this down. The reason that the shad run has been so weird this year is water levels, water clarity or turbidity, frequent rainstorms, and water temperatures. So all the things that I talk about that make shad fishing amazing didn't come together this year. This was a very off year for the shad. So we started off, I had a client in town from California and he just wanted to get out. He didn't really want to fish four mile run. And that was the last day kind of fished four mile run at the season change. This was about the third week in April. The water temperatures were 46 degrees. The water level was about 3.5 feet at chain bridge. And it didn't take long for him to get into hickory shad which is strange for me because I normally don't go out in this temperature. I can tell you the fish were cold to the touch. They felt like a drink you would pull out of a cooler. These were the biggest hickory shad of the year. And the client wanted to go swimming in the water. Being a surfer from the West Coast, he said this water was not cold to him. I said it may not be cold, but it is deadly. So no swimming, no entering the river up here. And he got into some some big big hickories at first there wasn't much going on but after about two hours it turned on and he was getting fish left and right we were using a shad jig with the snow white damsel only really fished two colors of the shad jig this year pink and chartreuse both estaz with silver thin uh, flashaboo number 6901 it's extra limp the original if you want to know So that was an interesting day. Came out the next day with another client. I said, it was fishing well yesterday. Let's give it a shot. We went down there. Daniel from Orvis was there, and I rigged him up, plus my client. And they both got into hickories right away. Big hickories from shore. Very few birds, not a lot of herring, still chilly, and the water still around three and a half feet. And we're mostly using... The Risen Fly 6-weight, I want to say ITB rod, the orange one, and it's softer. We did break one 6-weight out there, and a 5-weight got broken at the 2-fly tournament, so I'm a little low on rods at the moment. So Daniel got a bunch of big fish, client got a bunch of big fish, and then we started getting into a bunch of white perch. I want to say this was more of a year of white perch than it was of shad. Get out there about two days later, and Evan Dittman's out there, and he starts catching some big American shad. It's fantastic. My client's catching hickories and perch. It was a fantastic, sunny, bluebird day, probably in the 80s. We had a storm front come in, and this was for Sunday. And Sunday was scheduled to be, this was third Sunday, I think, of April. The client booked me months in advance. He was a doppelganger for the werewolf kid from the Twilight movies. And when we scheduled this in January, February, I said, keep your fingers crossed. It's going to be rainy, drizzly, and overcast. And we checked. It was going to be an outgoing tide. We're going to meet up at Gravelly. And we're going to swing flies for hopefully stripers and shad. We get down there, and it's cold. My hands were numb. I definitely could have worn another layer. But we're below the wind because we're fishing sort of underneath a road that is north to south. So the westerly wind wasn't getting us. And showed them how to roll cast, overhand cast. And we immediately got into blitzing largemouth. And I said, whatever happens out here, if you see those largemouth blitzing, we didn't know they were largemouth at the time. 
Whatever's going on, you throw your fly into that and pop it twice. The first one, he loses a, a huge largemouth. About 30 seconds later, he roll casts into another huge boil, and we hook one of the biggest largemouth in a long time. And this was on a blue, white, and gray clouser that we tied at Beer Tie in April. And the reason I like that color, it matches the shiners that are on the river. And eventually, later that afternoon, we foul hooked a shiner that was silvery with a blue gray dorsal, the same size as our clousers. The client and his dad both got into loads of white perch, what I call slab crappy. And of course, people on social media have to call us out for holding our fish too close and they're not really slab crappy. So anybody that doubts the size of the fish we sometimes catch, you're more than welcome to take the ruler that you keep in your bathroom drawer and come out to our boat or on shore and hang out with us and you can measure the fish to see if they're big enough for your standards. If you want to make fun of us online for fish size, remember most of these clients have never fished or fly fished in their life and these are their first fishes and it's just not cool. Don't make fun of people for their size of fish. They're getting out on the water. Don't be an armchair angler. And we caught huge crappie and lots of perch all day long until... We basically could walk across without getting our shins wet at gravelly. And the water drained fairly quickly, and the fishing was off. Didn't have much going on because that rainstorm on that day and the next day turned out to be rather large, and the river jumped above five feet. So Potomac was out of commission for a full week leading up towards late April. Saturday the 21st, I met a client down at the Occoquan, we wanted to fish for shad down there, being it's a tailwater, and the chain bridge area is a freestone. When the water's at about 4.7 feet, we can't access where we want. And we weren't able to fish up there. So Occoquan was running a little fast. Client first fish he got was a foul hook gizzard shad. And then he caught a crucian carp on the damsel. And then it was slow. I want to say an hour and a half of blind casting to nothing. And then the tide started coming in, and all of a sudden, cormorants started moving upstream toward us. A guy next to us was in a canoe and starts hooking hickories left and right on an ultralight rod. And we all start fishing the same spot. It was in front of a boulder. And it was almost every cast. He got into a hickory shad. Big ones, little ones. Brightly colored ones. It was a beautiful 60 degree day, sunny for a little bit. And you might hear uh, in the background, I am raising an abandoned, not really abandoned, an orphaned baby grackle. Its name is Baby. It's been living with me for almost 24 hours and it might wake up. It's sleeping in a flower pot on my tying table. So just a heads up. So from there, that next day, I had a large group up at Chain Bridge. So I met Matt and Natalia up there, and I thought the river had dropped enough, but with the high tide and the full moon, it full moon was that day. So tides were a little more extreme. We get down there, and online it looked plausible. We get there, and it's nothing but gizzard shad in the high waters along shore. Every cast was a foul hook gizzard shad, and after about 20 minutes of that, I said, we're going to move. Down a four-mile run. It's going to be high water there, but at least it's clear. And I said, all right, let's get in the car. And they're like, well, we rode our bikes. I said, ooh, all right. That throws a a loop into things. So we put their mountain bikes in the back of the car with all the gear. They piled in the front seat. We drove down to four-mile run. And 
beautiful bluebird day down there. The water was crystal clear. It was definitely high. And we got into a perch and largemouth and a hickory shad, surprisingly, in the fast outflow water. I also had a group of kids scheduled for Chain Bridge after them. And I emailed their dad and said, all right, we're going to be at Four Mile Run, change of plans. And these kids wanted a spin fish. So I went to my parents' house the week before, got my old spinning rod, bought two spinning rods at Dick's Sporting Goods, lined them up with 10-pound mono. I don't really know what to put on. Hi, baby bird. I'm going to have to feed baby and pause. By the time the kids got there, there weren't as many fish. We really didn't catch anything on spinning gear. There were fish all around, but it was a little difficult. It wasn't ideal for spin fishing like it was at Chain Bridge. We were just going to throw shad jigs up there. It was a little more difficult being shallower water. They got hung up a lot. We lost a ton of flies. It wasn't until I put droppers on their jigs that we started getting into some fish. I'm going to feed the birds, so hold on a second. You hungry? There you go. You dropped it. Hold on. There you go. I got you. So baby bird is eating ground up scrambled eggs with a little bit of ground up eggshell in there. And you just got to put your index finger down its mouth. Birds don't have a gag reflex. And it thinks my finger is, I guess, its parent. And it's it's eating out of my hand. So we finish up at four mile run. I probably got some sunburn that day. I'd expected to be under the trees at Chain Bridge. And that wasn't happening. Uh, so we had to watch out for about three or four more days for the water to drop. And we're back at chain bridge and the water is three foot eight to four foot five and we seem to be doing better at outgoing ties and again this is just the year of white perch white perch everywhere the water still was in the 50s for a long time it only got into the 70s for about three to four days we started getting into hickory shad in the fast current seams it never was that electric roll cast, pop it twice, and you're on a fish. My clients had to work for their fish. They caught a bunch. The hickory shad were relatively small this year up there. There were no medium or big ones like we got earlier in April. By the end of April, it was all small ones. The U.S. Park Police have sort of allowed the snakehead snagging to go on as long as they have their fishing license because they're singly targeting uh, one fish and not just casting the treble hook out and dragging it in one of the snakeheads that was snagged had a tag in it so the guy gave it to me and i was going to call it in but the wife threw out the tag that was in the kitchen and then about three days of that we got another major rainstorm so we had to go to alternate places so back in the occoquan went down there with a client who called in sick from school one day with an allergy attack we get down there, and I didn't realize that the storm that had passed us over rained a lot more in Prince William County. So the Occoquan Reservoir, I checked the bull run uh, while we were there, and it had jumped from... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Three feet to ten feet? And we could not get up to the spot where I'd fished on the 21st where we got the Crucian carp and all those hickories. This was a day we were going to target stripers. We were throwing large 10-inch herring flies on a 10-foot 8-weight and nothing. We started getting into perch, loads of gizzard chat around, loads of snakeheads swimming by, breathing. The water was so fast coming over the two dams in the Occoquan that we could barely hold the anchor in spots. We moved across the river after about an hour and a half. It was a six-hour day. And we got into hickories almost every cast, left and right. It was absolutely nuts, mostly on the damsel and mostly on a pink jig. The water was flowing. It was loud. We were the only boat up there. And then we had to wait uh, another couple of days for that water to come down the Potomac. And then it had to drop again. And we head back to Chain Bridge where I was there for three weeks straight up until uh, about four days ago. We got one of the biggest perch we've caught up there at 12 inches long. We started throwing on some of the shad nom-noms with the Korean scrub yarn, just as a bulkier, brighter fly on a dropper. Got a bunch of hickories on that. The snakehead guys were everywhere. One guy decided he wanted to go swimming. We're like, A, it's illegal, and B, you're going to die. And he's like, I don't care. He had a life jacket on, and he swims out into the middle, floats down, and this water's going at about... 30,000 cubic feet per second, maybe more. Maybe it's 130,000 cubic feet, whatever. It's raging. He gets out, takes off his life jacket, and goes back in. That's when I called the cops on him. I don't need to come back to my office the next day and not be able to fish there because there's yellow tape and they're looking for a body. I had to call in people dip netting the herring, people using cast nets. Uh, Probably the strangest thing down there was an eight-hour day, and I went back to my cooler. I got a new Filson hard cooler and as i'm walking back up to the car to get gatorades i'm looking through the trees and i see a naked person walking around under the overpass of glebe road at pimmet run and at first i'm like all right and i've seen nude sunbathers in hawaii and florida and some other spots before and i think it's just a naked dude just prancing around and then i figure the person had been bathing in the water because it was cold and there was some shrinkage Person turns to the side. And I'm like, nope, that's a woman. I She doesn't see me. I try to be quiet. I walk up to the bridge. I cover my eye downstream like a horse blinder, and I shout, I'm not looking. I'm just walking through. And she screams and goes in the duck and cover position. She's all tatted up. And I look down below me, and there's a guy with a telephoto lens. It was some sort of nudie kazootie magazine shoot, online shoot, Instagram tinder whatever i don't know i didn't bother to ask but there's always something strange you see out there there are a lot of strange things we saw this year while shad fishing at chain bridge that probably was one of the weirdest things my clients that day were two brothers and they got into loads of fish we started getting into american shad we started getting into some small stripers and a lot of perch maybe three days out of three weeks there were massive schools of herring at our feet and the birds just started tapering off. Saw one bald eagle. The osprey started disappearing. 
the cormorants started disappearing. And with all these high water days, people were not fishing on boats. But we basically had a couple of days of very clear water that was dropping several inches a day. And I was on River Boss and USGS and NOAA sites hourly checking on water levels. And then I had another group of brothers, uh, no, sorry, a brother-in-law and a dude came out and they fished and it was stripers, big American shads. We got more American shad this year than any other year. They're taking nom nom, shad puffs, shad jigs, mostly on the damsel through a couple of chenille body shad flies. If I have a client that starts losing a bunch of flies, you're not going to be fishing the ideal ones. You're going to be fishing the quick tie ones. They still work. They might not be as effective. So that was a week of two eight-hour days in a row. We also had our St. Patrick's Day party way before all of this. I want to mention we had Sapidus Mike come up from Sapidus Farms, happyoysters.com, and we did a massive oyster party at our house. A couple more days on the Occoquan, probably did three days in a row, and we got into catfish, hickory shad, perch left and right, and then the water dropped a bunch more before the next round of storms came, and we got down to about 4.2 feet at Little Falls, started getting out there early on Saturday mornings, first fish of the day was a channel cat, I'm pretty sure it was the same cat we caught the afternoon before, and pretty much all uh, American shad and a couple small schoolies as we're getting later into May. The hickories just never really appeared in huge schools. They never appeared aggressively. The water never got warm. And the turbidity was a constant issue. I had a client after the morning client, again, got into schoolies, perch, and American shad. Just a strange year. He also got a pretty big crappie. Nothing strange. We had my neighbor Scotty's soon-to-be daughter-in-law came out. That was the only day we actually had shots at snakeheads. We sight cast to four or five that morning. Taylor got into pretty much everything that day. A couple small hickories, mostly Americans. Being a diehard redfish angler, she knew what she was doing when she was fighting some of the bigger fish. All on six weights now. Bringing out eight weights just to get a longer cast, being those were 10 feet long couple more clients up there and then uh, another massive round of thunderstorms that shut it down and pretty much ended my season there for the week i had a client who still wanted to fish there and we went down on an incoming tide everything we wanted to stand on was underwater so we were casting into a small eddy and picked up some small schoolies they were right on the edge of the seam and a bunch of perch and that was it there was nothing else for us to do up there. If I check right now, it's when I say it's been monsoon season, I'm not joking. Inches of rain per day. It's cool. The river still is in the 60s. So we're expected to go up to 9.7 feet by noon on Saturday at Chain Bridge. It is currently at 64,000 CFS, which is going down for some reason. Gauge height right now is 7.47, temperature 69, turbidity is 145 FNU. Now, if I go to Bull Run after the last two nights' rainstorms, it is at 10.04 feet. 
which is a lot of water coming in. So our, our spinach and our arugula and our strawberries are going nuts in the garden. So the beginning of last week, I had Monday off. So I went and got my chip tooth fixed. Morgan and I were putting up my wife's big 14 by 14 tent at the two fly tournament. And it was quite windy and the pole flew. It was about as wide as a broom handle and broke part of my front right tooth off. So I had a day off, which was fantastic because I had not had days off in two and a half to three weeks. Get that done. Get some groceries done. Tuesday, we're out on the Occoquan. Beautiful day. Client had grown up in Florida fishing, had done a bunch of fly fishing. His girlfriend had never fly fished before. They'd been out at Fletcher's, had a hard time spin fishing for shad. We get into stripers and hickories and perch all morning long. She ends up catching a whopper largemouth on the shad jig. Snakeheads jumping everywhere, people snagging them on the rocks. People shooting them with bows, people coming out with cast nets. They got to see the full craziness of the spring run. For the first time ever, clients brought sandwiches on the boat for a non-full-day trip, and they actually ate them. So I picked up the fly rod while they were eating, got into some stripers, some hickories, and perch. I dropped one striper in the boat. It landed dorsal spike out on my big toe, quite a bit of blood in the boat. The next day, back out there, and the next day, and it's white perch, it's bass, it's catfish. We are catching just loads of perch up on the Occoquan, just everywhere. Ospreys are coming out of the trees and hitting fish right at the surface. We don't see them until they hit the water. They are so fast. Vultures everywhere, oddly. I don't know what the deal is with the vultures down there. I think they like the wind coming down the canyon from the two dams. It was good. It was a good alternative to fishing four-mile run and not being able to fish Chain Bridge. We did do some inland shore lake fishing in between, but strictly Occoquan all of last week through Thursday and Friday. Saturday's client, bright and early, a client from Alaska. She had never fly fished before but came out with her own setup. And we fished her floating line. She got into some two-foot-long catfish, bullhead catfish, hickory shad, white perch, foul-hooked accretion carp. We saw a striper of about 18 to 20 inches eat a white perch right in front of us, which was awesome. And she had two hours of solid fishing. It was amazing. And then we had an afternoon client, and it was nothing but one small striper and all white perch it was three hours of nothing but white perch and the kid was in second grade eight years old he wanted to harvest one fish to see what it was like he's a cub scout they took a fish home with them they brought sandwiches from the italian store that was awesome so i had a nice purple gatorade and a sandwich from the italian store while we were on the boat and that pretty much wrapped up shad season beer tie was on monday we got a small derecho absolute massive downpour we got a massive downpour last night there have been morning thunderstorms it's been drizzling all day so no clients right now until jason comes to town on sunday so i'm a little nervous about where we're gonna fish it's either gonna be the tidal basin maybe the canoe in roaches run i don't think the occoquan will be fishable but there are options i don't know if we're gonna get into any shad there may still be some around But it's been a tough year. It's been a strange year. My clients have all been happy regardless. Nobody got skunked. Everyone's caught fish. 
Most clients have been new or novice anglers. They've been showing up at the beer ties. And it's been nice just to get out after a dreary long winter at Fort Mile Run. I'm looking forward to fishing for guard now that they're starting to show up. Hopefully we don't get into needlefish. Go try and do some carp fishing on the boat. And it's going to be the start of largemouth season. We start targeting them once they're done spawning. We're not targeting anything on nests. And I'm trying to line up some cool podcasts right now as I've got these days off. And it's supposed to rain the next six days in a row. And I don't know what else to tell you. It's been it's been interesting. It's not been crazy. It's been decent. I, and I haven't updated the shad bell curve because we never really got to a peak. It just sort of plateaued off. But it's better than working in an office. The weather stresses me out. I'm hoping to get maybe some interview with Jason to see what he's up to. But other than that, we're going to see who we can get on the podcast. We've got some cool sponsors coming up, so stay tuned to those. And we've been trying some of the dry fly whiskey last night in some old fashions. It's pretty good stuff. For a three-year whiskey, it's smooth. It's meaty. It doesn't have a lot of heat on the aftertaste. And I'm going to enjoy making some cocktails. We're going to get some... uh, Dry fly gin now that we might get into gin and tonic season if it ever warms up. So this is sort of just a podcast to let you know what's been going on the last couple of weeks. I've been too busy to interview or to record one myself. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This has been a production of Freestone Media at freestone-media. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.